All right, guys. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, if you guys, um, before we get into the message, just because it's it's Super Bowl Sunday, I have to. If we could, yeah, I, just a quick show of hands. Who's actually like really excited about the game? Like, is either a Panther fan, a Bronco fan, a Manning? Okay. Okay. Cool. All right. That's helpful. Okay. Second, how many of you guys genuinely, you know, the football games, yeah, it's whatever, but you love like the halftime show, the perform, the, you know, the commercials, like all of that stuff just gets you. Okay. All right. Okay. And then, and then third of all, how many people just genuinely could care less about the Super Bowl? Is there anyone here? Just, okay. Just cause I'm sure there's those people too. So, all right. I, uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, Personally, I'm, I'm a little bit of one and two. I love football, but I, I will be honest, you know, they have a couple tearjerker commercials every year. And last year when they had the little golden puppy who, who strayed away from home and, you know, wolves were about to attack it. Uh, I'm watching with about 20 people and I'm starting to get a couple tears. And, you know, people are like, oh, who's that guy crying? You know, just making fun of me. And so anyway, but it was good. It was good. So um, anyway, I hope you guys have somebody just say Jesus doesn't make fun of you. I love that. I love that. Praise Jesus. That's great, man. I appreciate it. All right. Um, okay, so if you guys have your Bibles, if you guys could just open them up, um, we're going to be looking at Colossians 1, 15 through 23. Yep, Colossians. All right, guys, so I'm, I'm going to start reading it. Um, and yeah, you guys, so Colossians 1, 15 through 23. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is the body. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemy, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet he now reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in the physical body. As a result, he brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you first heard the good news. The good news has been preached over all of the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. So over the past few weeks, you know, we, Jeff has been doing the series through this passage, and it's, and it's been great because we've been able to look at just the, the different attributes and just the characteristics of Jesus. You know, that we, we talked about how he is the creator of the universe and how he made everything, and, and we serve a big God. Yet he's also personable enough to want personal relationship with you, and that he was big enough to make everything around you, but also intentional to make you amazingly made. And, and, and that we talk about how we are God's masterpiece. And so, but then we also talked about just how uh, Christ is the head of the church and how he has the power to raise the dead to life, that only, only God has that power. 
And then lastly, you know, we talked about just, you know, Jeff talked about the reconciliation and, and what that looks like by the blood of Jesus, that, that that's what can forgive sins, that that's what can cleanse us and make us whole and right with God, and that, you know, we want to extend that to others. And so that's just kind of, that's what we've been going through with this series. And so today is the last part of the series. And so we're going to be looking at just the very last verse within that, that Colossians 1 verse 23. And I'm, I'm going to reread that verse, and it just says, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached over all of the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. As I said, I love that we just, you know, we get to see just kind of the different sides of Jesus, the different characteristics, and and, and what I love when I think about just the good news and the gospel and what that means, and just, you know, for some of those who maybe don't know, just uh, just a really brief kind of version is that, you know, from the beginning, God created man in his image. Um, but man, you know, we, we fell short. We sinned. We, we missed the mark. And with that sin came the separation. Um, and, and, and we needed we needed grace. We needed forgiveness. We needed we needed redemption. And so only by the blood of Jesus Christ could that be could that happen. And so God sent Jesus down to earth, and, and and He paid the price for us that He died. But what I love is that you know He didn't just die and stay there. But then three days later He rose up from the grave. And so we serve a God who is just amazingly powerful. But it's it's funny as I think about just uh, just the Bible. It, it is the greatest love story of all time. That you know. Forget the notebook, forget, you know, Romeo and Juliet or any of these other ones that you can think about that. The, the, the Bible is the greatest love story of all time because it shows the heart of Jesus and how far he is willing to go to save the people he loves, to redeem, to give grace. When we think about just this, this, the scandal of grace and just all that it means that we serve a God who paid everything that we could have relationship with him. Uh, just another quick show of hands. How many people were just extremely excited when Star Wars came out in December? Do we, do we have some Star Wars? So I, I absolutely loved it. What I, what I loved so much about this movie is that it, it kind of bridged together three different generations in a sense of this was the seventh movie and the original four, five, and six came out roughly when my parents were, were, were maybe, you know, you know, eight, nine years old. And then, you know, they started one, two, and three, the prequels. And the first one came out when I was about like seven. And so then now we have this one. And so there's all these different people that can, well, <laughs> that can just love and, and appreciate this movie. And so uh, this is a flashback to when Star Wars Episode One came out. I was seven years old. Um, for the record, this will spoiler alert the movie, but it also came out in 1999 before any of you were born. So... You know, that's not fully on me. But so, anyway, I, you know, it was opening, opening day in IMAX, and I was just, I was so excited to see it. Uh, I just loved it. I saw it with my dad, and, and, and you know, coming from a divorced family, I, I have my mom's side and my dad's side. So, I saw it with my dad, but my mom was super excited to take me to it as well. And so, I remember coming home just, you know, on cloud nine. I just loved the movie. And, and, and my mom is just, you know... I, how was the movie, you know, to this day, she probably regrets asking it, but, you know, I just, without a filter, I was like, oh my gosh, like, it was amazing, I just hated when Qui-Gon Jinn died, though, spoiler alert, that is, like, one of the main characters in the movie, so this movie had been building up for just years and years, and so, my mom's like, what, and I'm like, oh, but it's all good, because Obi-Wan Kenobi kills Darth Maul, so he gets his justice, and I just walk away, and she's like, what, and just, like, it didn't even dawn on me, I think, until seconds after I walked away, that I was like, oh my gosh, like, I just ruined everything for you. Like the entire movie, just in a nutshell, was just... And <laughs> the point of the story was this, though, is that 
there was no going back from that. There was no pretending I didn't hear, you know, for my mom. There was no pretending she <laughs> didn't know what happened. There was no going back from that. She knew, and going forth, it just it wasn't going to be the same. And I think just spiritually with the gospel, it's one of those things that when we encounter it, when we hear the truth of Jesus, when we know the love he has for us, there is no going back, that we can't go back to the old ways, that we can't go back and pretend like we don't know because it, our hearts will be changed. That with the gospel, we either have the ability to accept it or reject it. That when it comes to God's love, the same way that we can either accept the love that he has for us or that we can reject it. But if we accept this love, if we accept the gospel, if we embrace it, there is no going back before, that we know too much moving forward, that we know that we're saved by the blood of Jesus. And going forth, our lives will never be the same. That, you know, Revelation uh, 3, 15 through 16 just simply says this, that I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot or cold, that I wish you were like one or the other, but since you are like lukewarm water, I will spit you out of my mouth. And, and, and like I said before that, that, that there is one or the other, that we either accept the gospel, we either accept God's love, or we want nothing to do with it. But there is no in-between that with the gospel, we don't get to pick and choose our favorites, that we don't get to say, I love this one verse, but mm, this is the one that hits too close to home, so I'm going to push it aside, that we have to embrace all that it is, that we have to embrace everything that Jesus has for us. That, you know, Luke 9, 23 through 25 just simply says this. Then he said to the crowd, if any one of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you yourself are lost or destroyed? You know, as I think about just the disciples, that, that Jesus went up to each of them and he called them into something new. That he said, all right, you ones who were fishermen, you ones who were tax collectors, come follow me, be the, you know, be, be the church, and, 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 and I will bless you for it. But here's the thing, you know, even thinking about just when Jesus died on the cross, you know, there, was, there were three days where, where, where he was dead, he didn't rise. And, and it's not like Peter looked at John and was like, all right, well, back to the docks, like, let's go fishing. You know, that, that when he called them into something new, when he said, I have this that's better for you, that you will not look back. You will not, you will not go to your old life. You will not go to your past. And they never did. They embraced it. That, you know, you know Peter, one of, one, of, one of Jesus' core disciples, was the head of the church, the rock that he built that church on. And so when Jesus called these disciples to say, come follow me, it was striving for what's ahead and not looking what's back to behind. And I feel like so often in our spiritual lives that, that when we follow Jesus, it's a journey. It's, it, it is. It's that constant, constant journey. But Jesus is saying, come follow me and your life will never be the same. That, that, that I will bless it, that, that I will lead you, that I will love you through it. But that you will not go back to your old life, that you know too much moving forward. You know my love. You know my heart. Come follow me. That's what God wants for us. He wants that change that he's not after your perfection. He's after your pursuit. It's just this simply, come follow me. I know what's best for you, and it's what I have. As a, you know, a couple of years back at, at a high school church camp, we, uh, unfortunately, you know, just kind of with some of the weather stuff, it was really hot. It was a really, really hot summer. It was like 95, 100s plus. And so at this point, we had a couple students who, who were really just kind of exhausted from the heat. And so we actually had a couple uh, pass out. And so at this point, you know, we're on... You know, we're on full mode. We're trying to find fans. We're trying to do this. We're trying to get everything together. And so me, me and a couple buddies of mine, we're trying to find some fans. And I find this one fan that, that it's good size. I'm like, oh, this is going to work perfect. And, and it just isn't working. And I'm like, this is so frustrating. And so right as I turn around and I, I walk away, because I'm like, oh, we got to find something else. Uh, Alex Coffer just looks at me and he's like, why don't you pray? 
And, and I look at him just, and, and I wish I had been, you know, more spiritual, been like, that's a great idea. I've been like, you want me to pray that a fan magically works? Like, really? Like, that was like, that was my attitude. And he was like, sure, why not? And I remember thinking like, all right. And so there's like five dudes that are just literally huddled around a fan praying for it, just praying for it to magically work. And I remember just thinking like, this is like at the start of the prayer, I was like, this is ridiculous. And then I remember kind of towards the end, like I was, I was, I was feeling, I was like, you know what? Like we might see a miracle today. Like this fan might just magically like work out of nothing. And so, you know, we finished the prayer and I'm like, I'm feeling good. And so I hit, the, I hit the button and obviously it doesn't work. And at this moment, somebody walks up to us and is like dead face and says, Hey Daniel, you know, that fan's not plugged in, right? And I'm like, just, just like head buried. Like I'm going to, I'm going to go home. Like, I got, I don't, I don't know what else to do. And like literally like the thought of, Hey, let's huddle around a, fan and pray over it came before, hey, let's make sure it's plugged in, you know, like the, just the, the thought never occurred. Um, <laughs> it, it was rough, but, you know, but then we, pl- we plugged it in and it worked and we took the fan and we moved on. And, and I feel like the point is that so often just in our lives, like we want something, like, like we want change, we want breakthrough, we want something in a way for God to move, but we're not plugged into the source. Like, the source is where we have life. Like, Jesus is that source. And unless we're plugged in, unless we're plugged into, you know, into the word, into fellowship, into prayer, into, if we're not plugged into the spirit, like, we won't have that. We won't have that change or we won't have that, like, stirring in our heart that we need this. Like, in order to continue onward in our faith, we have to be plugged into the source. And Jesus is that source. But without that source, we're, we're going to be huddled around looking just silly. Like, because we don't know the, the, the author that can make that change and, and realizing that in our faith that we have to be plugged in, that we have to be plugged into the spirit and into fellowship. And that's what enables us to move forth. That's what enables us just to continue onward just in our faith. First uh, Corinthians 16 verses uh, 13 through 14 says, be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong and do everything in love. Philippians 3.14 also says that I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Now, I think it's important to note that, that, that earth is not, our, is not our home in the sense of, you know, we, we are kingdom-minded people that, that we're fixated on eternity, we're fixated on heaven, that that is our home. That, that this is our temporary place. But what I think is so important is that what we do with this time on earth is so vital. That as I think about continuing onward in our faith, we don't just hear the gospel. We don't just say, that looks good, I want it. We don't just punch our ticket and then wait. And just, all right, well, heaven's going to come. Like, like, we don't just sit and wait. It's not like going to the DMV where you just, you know, you punch your ticket and you're like, this is going to take a while. Like, it, instead, Jesus is like, all right, accept my gospel. Know what I want for you and continue in this. And I'm going to call you to do great things. That, that what we do with our time is so vital. That Jesus is calling us to be intentional with our time. Now, I know that I am with a bunch of junior hires, and so I understand that this uh, genre of music is not very popular, but I love country music. That, that personally, okay, we got a couple people. Love it. Stay strong. Stay strong. Sam is, Sam is in the back trying to plug his ears because he just, just doesn't understand. It, it's an acquired taste, and I'm praying for you. Um, but anyway, uh, love you. Um, but anyway, so... The, the, my, 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 favorite, my favorite singer just has this motto, just it's, it, it's head down, eyes up. And, 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 and he recalls just a moment, you know, he played football for 
uh, the University of North Carolina. And so, he, you know, he went through this really bad injury. And he also, um, you know, a couple months later ha- had lost his dad. And so, you know, he's just kind of struggling. And just he's, he's looking himself in the mirror, and he just kind of embraces his head down, eyes up. And the point of it is it's focusing not on just the end result, but on each step along the way to get to that undeniable result, that, that having the discipline to, for every step, for every hurdle, every obstacle, every moment, that it wasn't just fixated on what I wanted to achieve, but it's how I'm going to get there. I, uh, my freshman year, I, I played football, you know, at Pacific Lutheran, Pacific Lutheran University, and our football coach kind of had a similar saying where he would talk about how life is, it's not about the destination, but it's rather this journey. And, and, and I will say that I think it's, it's important to know that we are concerned about, obviously, the destination, that it matters, that, that we are kingdom-minded people. But I love just those sayings because I love the truth that comes out of it, that, that we are intentional with, with what we do with our time on earth, that it is each step, each day matters. That as we think about our journey with, with, with Jesus, it's, it's, this constant, it's this constant journey where there's up and downs, there's ebb and flows, and it's one of those things that each and every day we wake up and Jesus is saying, come follow me. And so we just have this attitude of just over and over again, not just not forgetting just the time here that we have, but just, you know, being fixated and intentional about that, that it's not just an end result, that obviously that is going to be amazing. But Jesus is saying, be intentional with the time you have on here. Come follow me. Continue onward and stand firm in your faith. That we're called to be servants. Because I think one thing that's important to know, too, is that, you know, when, when, when we hear the gospel, when it changes our hearts, that's, that's amazing. But then there's other people that don't know the gospel. That Jesus is calling us to go out and be my disciples. That he's appointing us to go out into places. He's telling you to go out to your schools, to go out to your sports teams, to go out to your clubs, to go out to these things. Because there are people that need to know the love that I have for them. That this love, is a, it's, it's contagious. And, and so it changes us, and, and we're called to show people that love as well. That Paul, the author of this book, you know, he's, he really is a, quite an amazing man. He wrote, you know, the majority of the New Testament, and he's writing this letter, and he's, he's encouraging churches. But one thing about Paul is that he, he had been near death so many times. He had been, you know, shipwrecked. He had been bitten by snakes. He had been stoned. He had been in prison. He had been all of these things. And so there's a moment where Paul is writing this book in Philippians saying basically how he, you know, he longed to be with Christ. And he knew that in death, like, he could finally be with Christ. But then also knew the importance that he had on his time on earth that he realized that Jesus was saying, I need you to continue onward. I need you to encourage the people at this church. And so he's writing about saying that, you know, I know that I still have work to do. That in Philippians 1. 125, he says, knowing this, I'm convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help you grow and experience the joy of your faith. That our walk with Jesus is a journey. It's a journey through seasons that you feel like you are in a desert and seasons where you feel like you're in the promised land. That there are moments when you fail and you make mistakes and in those moments, Jesus will never shame you. Instead, he will pick you up and you will learn what it means to be someone who allows the grace of God to flow in your life. That you will experience good and bad because Jesus never promised that it would be easy, but he promised that it would be worth it. And that he is with you every step of the way because he is good and he is faithful. That Jesus is not after your perfection, but he is after your pursuit. So in regards to continuing onward, all that Jesus wants for you is a committed heart to pursuing Jesus. That when he says, come follow me, that we come and we follow. And so the ways that we continue onward in in a sense of the ways that that give us strength is being people that are plugged into the word, being committed to the word, being committed to the spirit, being committed to fellowship, and just being committed to prayer, that, that we need those things that Jesus is constantly teaching and equipping us throughout the journey. 
But what also enables us to continue onward in our faith and to stand firm is knowing and believing in the assurance of the gospel. That we serve a God who goes before us and he leads us and we are covered in the power, love, and grace of Jesus Christ. The Philippians 1.6 says, And I am certain that God, who began the good work in you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So, you know, my junior year of high school, I, uh, I moved states. I moved from Washington to Oregon. And so, uh, you know, I remember my first game uh, with this new school. I was actually playing a new position. And so for me, I was, I, I was a little nervous. And to be honest, I, was, I felt like I was making some mistakes. You know, I felt like I wasn't playing as well as I could have or that I you know, should have. And so I was a little frustrated. And so I remember we're losing in this game and, and we need the ball back. And so it's fourth down and two. And I remember this moment where I just, I wanted to be the guy. You know, I wanted to be the guy to make the play, that, you know, to, to bring the team back, to rally it. You know, new team, new pressure. And so I remember this moment where, you know, the running back gets the ball and I'm in perfect position to make the play. Yet I slip up, I miss, and I just fall flat on my face. And the running back goes right past and just continues onward. And I remember, I remember in that moment, you know, afterwards, our coach had called a timeout. And I remember just my head was buried in the mud. Just felt that shame. I didn't want to look up. I really didn't. <laughs> um, and so, you know, my coach brings me in and, and just, I had come from a program who had done a really good job of belittling me, of, of telling me that I was worthless. And so, I, so that's the way that I felt. And so, to be honest, when you make a mistake, you expect to get yelled at. Sometimes that's how sports is. Like, and so I remember just waiting to get chewed out, waiting to be told, like, this is why you're horrible. Like, we're going to bench you, you know, this or that. And I remember just waiting for all of those things to happen. And yet my coach instead just took a simple heart. And, and I'll never forget this, but he just looks at me and he just pats me on the head and says, Daniel, it's okay. You'll get the next one. You'll get the next one. And, and what I realized is that I had a coach who believed in me. And when somebody believed in me, it inspired me to want to take a chance on myself and believe in myself. And so I began to have confidence that it was a journey, but I had a coach who inspired me to want to believe in myself. And so I begin this road of just having this confidence. And I feel like in our spiritual lives, it's the same way. That I feel like spiritually, sometimes uh, it, it's easier said than done when it comes to accepting grace. Sometimes we fall flat on our face because we are human, because we mess up, and because we need Jesus. And yet instead, sometimes we so often take the route of shame. That so often we're like, God, like, you know, don't, don't look at me. And I feel like God's just up there saying, it's okay, like, you'll get the next one. Like, you'll get the next one. Because when we realize that our faith with Jesus is this constant journey, that there are going to be those moments where we have to believe in grace because Jesus is reassuring us. And so that's what I love is that, you know, thinking about just this gospel message, that it's, it's this reassurance of the gospels. Is Jesus saying, when you come follow me, like, again, I'm not demanding perfection out of you. I'm just, I want your pursuit. I want your heart. And so when we give Jesus our heart, that he, that he takes it and he walks in stride with us. That, that he knows that, that we're partnering through life together. That we're walking side by side knowing that we serve a God who doesn't ask us to do this alone. That when you accept Jesus, when you accept the gospel, when you want everything that it has, you're not doing this alone. That we serve a God who is side, side by side every step of the way. If uh, the worship team could, would, would want to come back up, I'm gonna, just going to close with this last verse. that Zebaniah 3.17 for the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm your fears. And he will rejoice over you with joyful songs.
As I just, again, as I think about just this last passage and just kind of ending the series on Colossians, I think what's just so important is just knowing that, that we serve a God who wants what's best for us. We serve a God who says, this is my heart, this is my gospel. And you have two choices. You can either accept it or reject it. But that when we accept the love that we know that we're, we're partnering in a journey with Jesus, and he doesn't say that this is going to be easy. He just says it's going to be worth it. And so when we make this decision to partner through that, that we partner through the good and the bad, that Jesus isn't looking at you saying, I expect you to be perfect. Instead, Jesus is saying, you are my masterpiece. And, and I, who began a good work in you, will carry it out into completion. That that's what Jesus says. That, that, that I started something and I'm going to finish it. And so I feel like just this morning that Jesus is just taking a simple heart of just saying, come follow me. That's what he wants for you this morning, that that wherever you're at, because that's what I love too, that that Jesus meets us where we're at, that we don't have to meet a certain expectation to get to Jesus's level to then when we can approach him, that he approaches us no matter where we where we are at. And so this morning, just, you know, as, as I close out in prayer and just as we worship, just think about that, that we are all on a journey. And where are you at in your journey? Because Jesus just, he wants to strengthen you. He wants to encourage you. Maybe he needs to remind you to just continue onward and to stand firm. Maybe he's reminding you, you know what, you need to accept the grace that I have. Maybe he's reminding you, you know what, there's a little conviction and and we need to change something. But Jesus promises that he's faithful every step of the way. That Jesus, God, we thank you for your heart. God, we thank you that you are a good, good God. God, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you that it is just this undeserved grace and mercy that we receive. That it is that it is the greatest love story of all time. That it shows how much you are committed and how much you love us to want to save, redeem, and bring us home. So God, we thank you for you, God, and we just want to celebrate you this morning. And so God, as you just say, come follow me, I just pray that we would think to ourselves that, that are we able and are we willing? And yes, with Christ, we are more than able. And so I just pray that right now that we would have a willing heart to just pursue you with everything we have. We love you. We praise you. In your name, Jesus. Amen.